Hello, and welcome to the Platform Podcast, part of the Marketplace Risk Master's Program. The Master's Program offers a full suite of virtual content, engagement, and resources focused on risk management, trust and safety, and legal strategy for startups. Be sure to download the mobile app from the Master's Program on the Marketplace Risk website to connect with hundreds of participants, speakers, and sponsors directly. The Master's Program is presented by Aon, Checker, PackSafe, and we want to thank them and all of our sponsors, including Appers Insights, King & Spalding, Seifarth Shaw, Sitter City, Spectrum Labs, Tint AI, and Willis Towers Watson. Check out the Master's Program Sponsor Center on the Marketplace Risk website for more information about our sponsors to view content they have contributed and to contact them directly. Thank you for tuning into the Platform Podcast, hosted by Marketplace Risk's L. Tucker, a former journalist who writes, speaks, and consults on the sharing of gig economy. L. is also the chair of the Marketplace Risk Advisory Board. Please note, this podcast has been prepared for informational purposes and is not legal advice by the Marketplace Risk team or the presenters. The material discussed should not be construed as legal advice or a legal opinion on any specific issue. We urge you to consult a lawyer concerning your own situation and any specific legal questions you may have. Please contact us at info@marketplacerisk.com, and we can put you in touch with the appropriate professional. And now, without further ado, I will hand things over to Al. And welcome to the third season of the Platform Podcast. I am your host, I'm Elle Tucker, and I'm chair of the advisory board here at Marketplace Risk. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Juliet Eccleston, who is CEO of Any Good, as well as the new chair of Sharing Economy UK. Welcome, Juliet. Hi, thank you for having me. You're welcome. It's lovely to have you. So, any good can can you tell me a bit more about this because it's a, a you know really unique concept and i i shied away from actually sort of explaining it when i introduced you there because i thought you could probably better explain it yourself um so what what exactly do you do yeah so um any goods a platform where professionals recommend other professionals for roles um, so from a sharing economy perspective, in the same way as somebody may have a spare seat in their car or a spare room in their house, um, people have underutilized resources, which are their networks. Um, and so people can use their networks um, to identify people that are right for roles and to personally recommend them. Um, and so it's an alternative to a traditional recruitment agency uh, in terms of where we place ourselves. So, and what... what what made you come up with that idea because you know it's brilliant I love the idea of this sort of the is the power of of the crowd and I love this idea of people coming together and also you know recommended people you know the best kind of people aren't they so their benefit seems to me to be really staring me in the face but how what was the sort of did you have one of those road to Damascus moments where you just thought (laughs) this was you know this this totally makes sense um, it probably over a number of years, I would say, is it that light bulb that softly glows for a while and then, <laughs> then grows into something that you can't ignore. Um, so my, my background was all in delivering large-scale technology change programs. And um, since uh, I was at Prudential in 96 and uh, involved in the launch of Egg in 98. And so from way back when, I've uh, been delivering change. And I was a contractor for 20 years doing that. And uh, each time I moved from one organization, 
location to another I had to um, build a team of people and hire people both internally uh, as employees and also contractors and what really struck me each time I had to do that repeatedly um, was the inefficiency of, of the recruitment process itself um, not particularly one bit of it but just end-to-end -end as, as a way of working and a business model it just didn't seem to be ideal um, and always the best way of finding somebody was through recommendation and I'd always beg everybody for a recommendation rather than having to go through uh, a traditional recruitment process um, and whilst I was delivering change um, I started to think if only there was a way that you could scale referrals and so I started to sort of draw a model for you know if anybody if any somebody would launch this uh, if any there was a platform that could do this then I'd be able to carry on with my job and uh, be able to hire who I wanted and and have you know trust a platform that was able to find recommended people um, and and as the sharing economy grew uh, and emerged over time I became really interested in that as a model generally in terms of an alternative for so many different ways of working um, and so I began to research that uh, from sort of the, the very early days um, in sort of 2007, 2008 um, and then began to look at the learnings from all of those platforms uh, and apply that to the model that I'd started to draw out um, and then in 2017 I switched from um, contracting and delivering change um, over to um, to any good full-time so um, Yes, it was it was through uh, frustration with a with a process, which I think a lot of uh, a lot of founders start in that way. <laughs> yeah, and I think the best ideas, I suppose, come from actually experience a problem, experiencing a problem, and then wanting to to actually you know create a solution to that because at least then you know that the the problem exists. Um, yes, and but in terms of the the tech itself, presumably technology had to almost sort of catch up with your idea in that sense and I know that you and I neither of us are from a, a sort of specifically tech background but in terms of the tech that powers any good was that something mm -hmm. that was quite complex or and and how did you how did you create that so that it, it really represented the idea that you wanted it to yeah, I mean, I think that the technology in itself um, isn't overly complicated compared to some of the, the technology programs I've delivered before. I think the complex thing is is getting um, getting the requirements right and really understanding what you want the technology to do. Um, because the these models are very new, um, it's easy to make certain assumptions about how the process should work. And actually, when you come to uh, to actually run it with the technology, um, you've, you've made some really incorrect assumptions um, around um, what people might do for example you know we I haven't got any there's nothing to copy in terms of um, another platform that does this so uh, and the same for Airbnb for example when that launched now if you were going to launch a platform uh, for sharing um, rooms in your house then you would look at how Airbnb does it and and go okay well they've you know that seems to work I'll, mm -hmm. I'll do something similar to that and maybe with a few alterations to make it different um, but there's something to look at and something to copy um, and the same for a lot of technologies where you have multiple people in, in, in an industry but when you're doing something for the first time 
um, things such as how to balance the two-sided marketplace, will members recommend candidates for roles, will members recommend other members to join, um, you know, all of these types of questions you don't know really until you start um, what people are going to do and you have to do a lot of testing early on. So, I mean, initially I started it just with a spreadsheet um, and so it was uh, literally just me with my a spreadsheet of everybody that I thought were brilliant at various different roles um, and, uh, and I would recommend them personally. So it would be me as one person recommending people just simply using an Excel spreadsheet and often that's the best way to start is with very low-tech solution and, and get, get it right in terms of uh, how it, how it should work otherwise it costs a lot of money later on down the line that's going to be the equivalent of your uh, story that you know Brian Chesky tells his story about the airbed in in his um, yes. apartment <laughs> yours is going to be the spreadsheet isn't it so <laughs> um, so with recruitment um, I don't know a huge amount about the industry but am I right in saying that you know it's it's industry specific in a way I suppose like the sharing economy that you have you know recruitment um, companies that deal specifically with one sector and, and in that case I suppose which will lead me on to my next part of that question is how has it fared uh during you know the the fabulous year of 2020 yes um yes you, you do tend to get um recruitment um teams and companies that are uh, very industry focused so you'll have sort of specifically financial services and then niches within that um or retail or travel and so from a from a covid perspective 2020 is hit some recruitment agencies incredibly hard um, and then others have fared incredibly well. So if you're in health tech, um, then obviously there will be a significant amount of volume um, going through there um, but if you're in travel um, then uh, or entertainment or you know all of the industries that have been really hard hit um, then that would have been a significant challenge over the year um, from an any good perspective we uh, we're sector agnostic so um, thankfully we cover a broad range of industries as well as roles um, and so we're able to flex uh, and move towards where the trends are uh, but for some um, it's been an incredibly difficult year and I know that there's uh, some of those um, some of those companies don't exist now as a result of um, as a result of the challenges during the year really gosh and um, in terms of the um, you know because obviously at marketplace risk we're very interested in you know the the risks of these two-sided marketplaces when you're actually uh, onboarding people onto the any good platform how does that work how does that process um, you know include levels of um checks and verifications or or does is it not quite so important it will stuff like that come out in the wash anyway will it be quite clear um because it's not like you're kind of trying to sort of sell it um a specific um item between two people is it how does it work yeah Yes, I mean, thankfully, our platform doesn't rely on people exchanging money in any way. Mm. We, we, you know, we are acting as an intermediary in that, um, and so there isn't there isn't the risk of somebody not paying somebody for an item, um, or somebody not showing up with goods. Those kind. Of- of things um uh, but i guess because of my background in uh, with, with change i specialized in pensions regulation so i was quite um 
focused on compliance and risk and legal and, and probably um, um, looked at that more than perhaps I needed to. And so we did initially have an awful lot of checks and balances on the platform where we would verify every member as they came through and um, sort of have stops all the way through the process uh, and friction points to make sure that everybody was who they said they were and um, and yes, they do know that person and how do they know them and all of these different kinds of things that we had through the platform. Um, and then I think you kind of, um, if you have those all of those uh, checks and balances initially um, and then you can see how people are behaving and actually um, in the same way as we weren't sure whether people would recommend great quality candidates because there is a monetary reward we weren't sure if we had that too high whether um, that would drive people into a certain behavior of sending through candidates that were of low quality but they were interested in having one and a half thousand pounds referral uh, bonus and so um, a lot of these things that you have to test first and then sort of for me anyway have sort of those those levers and those levels right um, in the platform Uh, and I think because we had them all there initially it allowed us to uh, remove some or reduce some um, rather than suddenly saying oh no we hadn't realized the impact of this we now need to put some um, put some controls in place um, so for us it's um, it's yeah it's it's quite a, a, a compliant um, <laughs> platform in terms of we're able to check everything all of the way through Mm -hmm. should we need to um but i think i probably underestimated people because i i I, as i say i was wondering if people would um would consider the the financial reward as as uh, quite a high motivator but people seem to be uh, much more interested in paying it forward and doing the right thing and recommending great people so we've never had to um sort of have have any concerns in terms of removing a member from the platform or anything like that well that's good and but i suppose as you scale that could change but I suppose just that cautiousness at at the beginning has has helped you um yeah that's um I mean it's kind of you know encouraging to to hear that that that's people's motivation isn't it definitely as I say and in fact initially um when we first launched uh we have and and it's stayed the same one and a half thousand pounds but we've had people say I'd really like it if you could offer the ability for um us to pay this to a charity uh, and things like that so we're like okay we didn't uh, we weren't expecting that but yeah great um and so we um yeah so we partnered with Beam actually the um another sharing economy platform that crowdfund to help people that have um, so from homelessness get homelessness get back to work and so uh, we offered the ability to um, to donate to them or, or their charity of their choice brilliant um, I'm going to ask you to put your other hat on now and okay. um, <laughs> as the new chair of sharing economy UK so um, congratulations and um, obviously as a board member you're kind of my boss in a way so um, <laughs> um, now would you believe that it is a year ago today exactly today that we were in London for the marketplace risk sharing economy global summit so very different times then and oh, I, I, I think we were yeah. there was hand sanitizer and and talk of um you know a, a virus in in china but we had no idea what what the year would would have in store for us but um back then we obviously had representatives from sharing economy organizations and trade bodies from all over the world which is the the brilliant thing about the sharing economy global summit because we can talk to these um you know in industry experts and trade body heads and learn from them and and bring 
bring those learnings to the UK and, uh, you know, for Sharing Economy UK to to grow and build its membership as well. So in your role as chair, what what do you, um, you know, what what do you see as as some of your, um, you know, kind of maybe things that you really want to focus on in in 2021 and in your in your new role and what what um learnings have have you got maybe that you've picked up from your involvement in um in the global summit yeah i mean that, that was a fantastic summit i have to say it was my my first time at um, at that summit and and first time also just being surrounded by other sharing economy platform uh, people um you know from all different sides of the of uh, platforms um whether they supported them or they were founders or they were some of the larger organizations it was such um an amazing gathering of industry knowledge um and i, I really can't wait for that to start again it was um it, i was on a high for some weeks after sort of you, you feel like you're um, you know that there's there's a lot of sharing economy platforms but um but we we've not really had the summits and the conferences and all of that kind of stuff to get together so it was yeah. i was charged childishly excited yeah. for a number of weeks still afterwards it was, um, it, it but, was great that happened. and hopefully <laughs> hopefully um all things being well we've just announced some new dates for the for the end of the year and um yeah all being well we uh, look forward to getting together but i know what you mean it's like being in a room with people who are just as obsessed with this space yes um, does, does feel yes childishly exciting doesn't it so <laughs> but, um, but yeah sorry i digress that's okay um <laughs> so, yeah yes what's um, um, so in terms what's of, ahead in terms of the yeah in terms of the road ahead obviously we have to um do it in context of of the road we we are just at the crossroads of really and um and from 2020 there's certainly a focus on recovery um that we have to have um for all of the businesses that um that we work with um making sure that you know as as founders and and as a sharing economy that we share and collaborate and learn between ourselves um to help with um you know how other platforms could flex and how we can continue to to survive and then moving more towards um growth and focusing on what does the uh, what does the economy need next um and uh, and there's there's um, uh, tony danker the the uh, director general of the cbi uh, s- said this a particular phrase and it really struck with me as something that um is um so aligned to what sharing economy members are uh, and it's uh, that he says that businesses should be in service of the nation um and i just think from a sharing economy perspective that businesses that are sharing economy platforms are so frequently in that kind of mold in that they're uh, they're often have um you know significant uh, environmental impact or social impact or economic impact um and so for me what i'd like to do is is look at what role our um response you know what role we can play um in uh, growth in all of those areas uh, over 2021 and, and certainly from an environmental perspective and COP26 coming up um, really starting to look uh, more seriously at how, you know, how can we measure those impacts um, how can we show um, that the um, maturity of the sharing economy is growing um, and that the impacts that we're having are, are beginning to be significant um, and that's kind of what I want to do is really put us on the map over the next year mm. uh, to start having some conversations 
and also therefore from a from a um, government subsidy perspective and how you know the the sharing economy is taxed um, showing from a um, from an environmental and economic and social perspective that if we can uh, have the right tax subsidies and um, frameworks in place then we can drive the right behaviors and have uh, have a really positive impact uh, across many many areas yeah because I, I feel sometimes that you know governments you know maybe over the last few years have felt that you know sharing economy platforms it you know it's almost like a trend or it's just you know these are kind of little businesses that you know are quite niche and the fact is that we're watching platforms scale and now it's almost like there's a need for this to be taken seriously and when at the global summit we talk to people from um, sharing economy Japan and you know these much bigger organizations you can see that um, you know they, they have so many members and they've grown and it's almost like you know this validation isn't it there and and I think it's it's so important to to see what's happening in other countries and and to kind of say well this is this is what's happening and if we're not going to be part of it then you know <laughs> we're going to lose out yes yeah absolutely and um and and certainly in terms of trends um you know that most of the uh, the people that use sharing economy platforms i think it's 70 percent are in the 18 to 34 age group um and so it's it's really important that, that this is a trend that's emerging um and um and so it's it's something that um more and more people are going to be going to be using and as um and as one person begins to use a platform whether it's you know deciding to um you know especially now with the amount of cars that are perhaps going to be unused um, or, or less used in terms of remote working people are you know going to be thinking about shall I rent my car out for periods of time during the week that kind of thing or do I need a car full-time as people start to introduce themselves to the sharing economy um, they'll begin to look at other areas like okay well maybe you know I've got a, a wardrobe of, of with some really nice designer clothes then maybe I could rent those out on a platform or you know all of these types of things as soon as people dip their toe in and they're dipping their toe in it's at, at an early age then uh, then more sharing economy platforms will become open to them because they'll just see that as uh, as how things work it's it's normal to share um it's normal to rent um and um and, and that kind of behavior will just be, continue to increase as it has been yeah i think you're right and i i think it's fascinating what people's entry point into the sharing economy is and what their motivator is because i, I, mm. I think it can really vary depending on on who it is that's actually getting involved and as you say if the technology is there for them to have a smooth ride and a, a safe ride um into this for the first time then this will open the door for them um because if nothing goes wrong it's like well, what what you know what else can i do what else can i try out in in this area yes. how can i make my life easier because quite often you know that is people's main incentive it's how can I make a bit of extra money or save a bit of extra money or do something that makes my life easier and as we come out of this such a difficult time I think people are looking for alternatives aren't they and um, we spoke the other day um, about the amount of innovation we've seen particularly in the UK but I'm sure it's the same 
worldwide during the pandemic um, a lot of businesses have started up a lot of people have been at home and and decided to to bring their their idea to to fruition um and mm-hmm. i think imagine that a lot of these are going to be sharing and and gig economy apps and platforms what what do you think about that what do you think about um the, a, a year of innovation and, and what we've got coming ahead do you think we're going to see some interesting yeah, ideas I, yeah what i've seen a lot of and certainly in my own community is that people are um because of the restrictions um are having to act more locally um and uh, improvise and create their own solutions um, to the restrictions that have been put in place. Um, and in our own community, using a WhatsApp group to share things amongst ourselves, whether it's toys that ch- children no longer want or books or food even or uh, trips to the pharmacy. Uh, we've all been working together as neighbours to to help overcome challenges. And and I think the same is, this, is, is in the case for businesses and platforms where platforms have... Uh, not necessarily reinvented themselves or pivoted, but um, had to redirect um, their efforts to help manage um, specific challenges and, and help their own communities and help the people that they're working with um, to um, to offer solutions that are specific to 2020. So I think some of these um, sort of smaller solutions that have might might have been put in place. Um, now we'll see through 2021 uh, really scaling and we'll start to see some incredible opportunities coming out through 2021 where these solutions that have been put in place actually weren't pandemic specific. They're things that people now want to have on a long-term basis, just like our WhatsApp group as a neighbourhood. We'll continue with that and we'll, we, you know, we all want as neighbours to, to uh, have that solution in place for a long time. And, and I think that's going to be the case for businesses as they've come up with their own ideas uh, for solutions to change challenges yeah i probably overuse this expression but necessity is the mother of invention has just been you know such a key phrase for the last um 12 months because a lot of things that we're doing we've kind of been forced to do you know my mom's been forced to use zoom for her pilates class and stuff like that but she will continue to do that now and you know the end come up with different ideas for you know for all of us over for how to interact we've all done it and as you say we're not going to go back now. I mean, some things I'll be glad to see the back of, like Zoom wine um, things. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Give me a real pub as opposed to a Zoom party any day. But some of these things have made our lives easier, but we probably wouldn't have have actually adopted them if we hadn't been forced to. And I suppose with um, with gig work as well, gig platforms, and I know that, that you know, any good is different because, it, you know, it's about, um, you know, actually getting a, a, a full-time job. Um, so this isn't about gig work, but obviously you work yeah. in an employment space. This um, gig work, people I, I can see have been looking to platforms for maybe jobs that um, can help them you know to to um to support them during maybe a time when they've been furloughed or made redundant i i suppose that people are maybe going to be more open to that going forward even as we come out of the pandemic to to seeking um work via platforms and apps can you see that being a change yeah definitely and i think um i think work our concept of work generally um is evolving in you know from one that is uh, full time sort of job for life where you you go in at night 
nine and leave at five and have an hour for lunch into being one that's more flexible, uh, where you might um, work for a couple of days for an organisation, you might work all week, or you, but you may work at home and you may choose to combine that with, with other things, whether that's uh, gig work or, um, you know, if you, if you have caring responsibilities, you have, you know, more flexibility in terms of um, the hours of work. So I think what I'm, what I'm hoping is that we can see more of a, um, a, a balance of uh, work and um, work and the, the lives that we lead and that the gig economy can be something that plays a part in that rather than it being all about traditional employment, um, that the ability to earn money through the gig economy is something that people can use uh, alongside or instead of um, traditional employment. And I suppose the same goes for remote working and co-working and being more flexible about where you actually do your job. And I know obviously that doesn't apply to, to you know, to everyone. Um, but if you can have a setting for your work that is maybe, a, you know, a mixture of um, on site or in a co-working place or at home, then that can help with um, things like, you know, childcare and, and you know, a, a partner's job, etc. And these things, I suppose, are, are you know, then things that employers have not necessarily ever sort of, you know, necessarily felt could work for them or trusted people to do that. But again, it's um something they've been forced into doing, isn't it? And and maybe realise that yes. it's not as bad as they thought. Yes, and I think it's it's uh, driven employers to um to to have policies that are more inclusive um, without them necessarily it, that hasn't been the driver unfortunately um, but but the circumstances that organizations have found themselves in over 2020 has has resulted in um, uh, in employment contracts that, that are now more flexible than they would have been otherwise and and that has had a knock-on impact in terms of ex- inclusivity um, of people that would have ordinarily uh, found it very difficult to get work in some areas um, and so that that, uh, the, the knock-on impact of that, I think, is, is interesting and, and one that um, I'm hoping to see continue in terms of, um, you know, like although I, I would gladly not, not be on Zoom too much, uh, for people that need to stay at home or have challenges with travel, um, things like that, it can, it can be, you know, a, a real godsend to, for an organisation to, to be working in that way um, that means that, that they can do a job that they may not have had access to otherwise. And for twenty twenty one, just to to wrap up, really, any good? What are your um what are your ambitions or plans for the for the year ahead? Because presumably, changes that are occurring now and and positive ones at that with the vaccine and you know make potential end to the strict lockdowns coming up soon. Do you see that people are are going to be maybe moving jobs and feeling a bit more secure in their situation and being able to do that? Can you see that shift happening quite soon? Um, I, we're already seeing an increase in in, in jobs and, and and generally confidence um, from in the economy from a from a company perspective and and people are placing roles on our platform uh, in volumes that that wasn't happening last year so that's um, that's a very good sign um, but I think the, the the damage to the economy and certainly the unemployment rates are going to be something that takes a long time um, to get over and so um, I think there's going to be a significant need for for, um, for organisations to to work with those people that are, are 
uh, have got rec recruitment platforms or recruitment services um, to really help both with the redeployment of labour internally within their organisation, um, but also to help those that have got barriers to work um, and that may have been out of work for some time now um, to help those people get back into work um, with the roles that we've got available. Um, so I think it's, it's very much time for um, for much more collaborative approach between those that are in recruitment and the organisations that they work with. And and also government in terms of the support that they're going to be providing um, to help, um, as I say, those with barriers get back to work. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a, a long road ahead, but hopefully hopefully we're on the on the right track now. Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> and Julia, I can't wait to see you again in person and hopefully that will be before the Sharing Economy Global Summit in November. But if <laughs> not, so. we will see you there <laughs> and hopefully some of our listeners will be there too. So um, yeah, best um, wishes for any good and the, the coming year and look forward to catching up with you again soon. Yes, thank you. It'd be great. Thank you for tuning into the Master's Program Platform Podcast. Check out the Master's Program on the Marketplace Risk website at marketplacerisk.com, where you will find 12 tracks of content featuring over 80 speakers and more than 65 sessions. You can also download the mobile app to connect with participants, speakers, and sponsors from around the world. Be sure to follow us on social media at Marketplace Risk. Tune in next week for another podcast.